Welcome in. It's a Thursday edition of the Minnesota Football Party, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Plus, don't forget, you can now find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for it and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. Luke Braun here of Locked On Vikings. Excited to talk about Brian Flores. Luke Inman in the captain's chair today, filling in for Sam Ekstrom. So you already know we're going to be talking some NFL draft today and the Vikings plans heading into April. And Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network. I don't know. I guess I'm I'm uh, I'm the beef between two slices of white bread today. <laughs> there it is. It's the Minnesota Football Party. <laughs> Run it. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome into the Minnesota Football Party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, joined as usual by Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, Vikings Insider on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL, Luke Braun, kid you copied off a math class, on Twitter, at Luke Braun NFL. Later on, guys, we may be joined by Ron Johnson from the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Before we jump into it, remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at LockedOn, M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it. We got it. Tons of great choices over there. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, and drop us a five-star review. All right, I do want to jump into that Brian Flores presser yesterday. But first, every day, I go post a new poll over on that Lockdown Minnesota YouTube community page. Yesterday, I asked fans this, which player currently mocked in that middle to late first round do you want most on the Vikings? I gave him four options, cornerback Joey Porter Jr., upgrade the interior offensive line with John Michael Schmitz, go defensive line help with Clemson's Brian Brissy, or how about a quarterback early? The always highly debated topic with a guy like Hendon Hooker. Joey Porter Jr. wins it. Got over half the votes coming in with 51%. The local legend, John Michael Schmitz, 23%. Not far behind Hendon Hooker with 17% in third. And then a dead last, probably the guy nobody's heard much about yet. Clemson defensive tackle, Brian Brzee. But I want your guys' opinion. I know it's early. Still 10 weeks away from draft weekend. Actually, 10 weeks to the day. But is there a guy right now, could be on this list or not, that early on in the process you think could not only be just a great fit for the Vikings, but also is realistic, right? Is being projected in the middle to late round for the Vikings at pick 23. Or maybe a positional group just in general you think is starting to look stronger than others. That could make sense just from a value standpoint. Luke, I saw that you started watching Christian Gonzalez, cornerback from Oregon. He may be gone at this point, but you never know. Just thoughts oh, on the Vikings in round one and the direction they could go. 
Yeah, with, with Gonzalez, I think his future is best served if he does not get drafted by the Vikings. I think he's just a better fit elsewhere uh, and will probably go higher than it's worth it for the Vikings to trade up to. But um, I, that corner class is really interesting because it does have the top end, but it also has the, that like a really thick band around the middle. The fast middle. Yeah. 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 So if I you agree. do end up, you know, taking... I don't know, uh, a Jordan Addison or whatever, like take a wide receiver. If you do end up going a different direction and then you double dip in like rounds three and four in corner, like that's a perfectly viable strategy, which is uh, it's it's a nice year to need a lot of corners. Yeah. yeah and, you know, corner is just going to be like the obvious answer in most of these mocks. But we know Flores he likes to go defensive line first and foremost early on in the draft, both in Miami to Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips. Also in New England, he was involved with a lot of those picks, guys like Vince Wolfork going way back in the day. Plus, I think you just nailed it. Like, if you think it's such a loaded cornerback class, which it is, by the way, then maybe the right play is just waiting on that position, taking advantage of the depth later on. Arif, give us a name or two you're just kind of connecting the dots with on the Vikings with pick 23. If they do, in fact, even stay there and don't move down yeah i i think that the the strategy of like double dipping in rounds three and four makes a lot of sense but it it's really i would not be shocked if they if they picked a guy in round one i don't think luke would be shocked either but i, I think that if you take a look at that cornerback class i mean yeah you could get a Kale ringo or uh, a christian gonzalez or a joey porter i think they are likely to be going a little bit earlier than the vikings pick if one of those three falls to where the Vikings pick, I think would make a lot of sense. But I mean, this class is loaded. I mean, you got Clark Phillips, the third, probably a slot only yeah. guy. Um, but he, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal player that I, re I really like watching. And, uh, you know, Duke Shelley plays better on the outside than the inside. Maybe Clark Phillips does as well. I don't know. I mean, he's just a good enough player that is worth considering. Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, probably another player that's uh, worth taking a look at. But if you want to take a look at the defensive line, you're probably not going to be able to get Miles Murphy, probably not going to be able to get Brian Brisset either. Mm -hmm. I know that you mentioned him, but I feel like he's probably going to go a little bit higher. The problem is if he's there, I think that that's probably the best pick just mm -hmm. because hey you need an interior pass rusher this is a pretty weak defensive tackle class as far as i can tell maybe uh klaja Kansi, the, the guy from pit you know mm -hmm. when is an undersized pit defensive tackle ever done well in the <laughs> nfl right um but you know I, I i other than those two it's it's really tough for me to find an, an interior defensive guy uh that could be a pass rusher so given that scarcity i think i'd Probably prefer that unless somebody like a Keely Ringo drops, right? And man, I named like a three Clemson guys, right? That's wild. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot and, of those guys. Do that. Bring Brian Flores back in. Uh, he did confirm. Well, kind of. He was asked three four four three, and his real answer was, "Who are we playing?" Right. Dot dot dot. But three four. <laughs> yeah. And that means that the the base front will be important with three down linemen, and those three down linemen are not Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. That's Harrison Phillips, that's if you bring back Dalvin Tomlinson, and if not, that need becomes even more dire. But otherwise, who's the third guy? Is it Kyrie's Tonga? Or are we just giving him a starting job? I don't know if that's necessarily it's appropriate. Three nose tackles all across. <laughs> I mean, that is literally what they did last year. And so that's what's penciled in right now. So if you don't want to do that, 
then th- this is a need. There will need to be some kind of acquisition there. A lot of great points. And I do want to touch on that Flores presser, but just kind of wrap up this YouTube poll. Like I always like to throw one quarterback in there just to kind of gauge where the fan base is on it. Obviously, it's a quarterback driven league. We've seen the blueprint. If you can find one, pay him rookie money for five years, build that all star team around him. That's plan A for most teams in the league right now. Kirk's getting older, and these quarterback contracts, by the way, have just gotten so wild. It does make it difficult to surround those guys with a complete balanced team once you pay your bookend tackles and a superstar receiver to go with them. Luke, are you in the camp that if you're running the team, right, you're the GM, you should be taking a swing on a quarterback every year in the draft? doesn't always have to be a first-rounder necessarily, but keep taking swings on these guys. Or if you have a veteran like Kirk coming off the year he just had, first year in a new system. Is it wiser to use every single pick on like building the best team around him before this kind of playoff Super Bowl type window eventually closes and those core veterans get too old? I always thought every other was a good balance every Mm -hmm. other year. Go for it. Um, The existence of Kirk Cousins should not preclude you from taking a a quarterback, regardless of what you think of Kirk Cousins. Um, You know, you have Sam Bradford draft Carson Wentz. You have Carson Wentz draft Jalen Hurts. Like there's a million examples, right? Right. Um, And having a redundancy at quarterback is not a problem. (laughs) And I I don't think it the the inefficiency of oops, I have two quarterbacks that are viable. A, it's easy to solve because you just trade one away. Uh, But B, that's like the best problem ever to have. (laughs) And trying to avoid it is not three of the four. Three of the four teams in the conference championship games were featured a quarterback that was drafted while they had a franchise guy, right? right? Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Alex Smith, although in the Alex Smith one, you can debate, but they just made the playoffs. So then he just made a pro bowl. He had the best year of his career under Andy Reid, Uh, and, and then, you know, Brock Purdy, I guess when he's drafted technically. Um, But, you know, even if you ignore that, I mean, they drafted Trey Lance, they had Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like it's just get quarterbacks. Uh, Every other year, um, doesn't seem often enough, but every year seems a little bit too often. I don't really know how to balance that, but I think, sure. yeah, but, but, but I think that, uh, you know, a, a premium pick and a later pick, premium pick and a later pick, something along those lines might be, and by premium, I don't necessarily mean a first round pick, but a second or third round pick, and then maybe a fifth or Like a top hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I would really appreciate that from any team. And I think that the Vikings would be wise to do that. If they did, and the first, it really depends on the nature of the extension. Um, that is being discussed with Kirk Cousins. It sounds like there is a discussion. I don't know kind of how far along um, they are in those talks, but if they do extend Kirk Cousins, it it seems a little bit less pressing that they draft a, a guy in the first round, but if there's no extension, yeah, man, grab like... Let's I don't go. Know if, I don't know if they'll be able to get Anthony Richardson, but I mean, it seems like he might be in that range. I don't know, um, but grab grab somebody, right, well, that you can, you can sit and develop. No, Anthony absolutely. Richardson's kind of a little old for that, but you know, whatever. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up because of the realistic options in the first round, Richardson could still be on the board for Maybe. sure. Todd McShay just had him going nine to the Panthers. It's a wide net that that's you're casting right now. But Hendon Hooker, just specifically knowing the big five quarterbacks, he's probably the only realistic guy left standing there when the Vikings are on the clock at 23. And then there's a huge drop off in talent. Have either of you guys looked into Hendon Hooker at all? Obviously, you you mentioned it. He's 25 years old. He's coming off the ACL. But 
you know, if you take those things out of the equation, which I know you can't do, say he was 22 and, and fully healthy. I mean, he led the best vertical passing attack in the country at Tennessee. He's mobile. He had almost 800 yards rushing last year. We've seen how beneficial having a mobile quarterback is in today's NFL. I think he would be in that top 10 discussion if he was younger and obviously fully healthy. Have you looked at him at all? Because I think as we get closer to the draft, Richardson's going to get hyped up a little bit more, especially after the combine. He may be in that top 10 discussion. And there's such a big drop-off from Hooker to the next guys like Jaron Hall, Jake Hayner, Fresno State, some other guys. It seems like it's Hooker a bust. If you really do want to get that next big-name guy in there, have you looked into Hendon Hooker at all? And what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I watched a little bit of him at Virginia Tech, obviously, when I was watching uh, Christian Derrissaw, and I liked what I saw, and then I watched a Christian Derrissaw game where he wasn't quarterback, and I was like, hey, what's up with that? Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he wasn't getting along well with the, the staff at Virginia mm-hmm. Tech. Um, but, you know, I watched a tiny bit of it. <laughs> I watched a tiny bit of it at Tennessee, and um, I I was pretty impressed, but I, I just think that this is a guy that you really need to dig into mm-hmm. uh, just because it's one where you can be kind of seduced by the highlights, and uh, you're not going to get a good understanding of his game by watching 20, 30 snaps. So um, I, I like what I saw. I liked his decision-making process. I liked you know, his ability to kind of push downfield. I liked his mobility, but I just think that there's probably something there kind of worth digging in a little bit further because there's something that feels a little bit off. It just feels like that there's something more kind of worth digging into. And um, my guess is that the stuff of Virginia Tech is probably going to be pretty useful to kind of, I mean, because it seemed like he was just outright bench for performance, right? Mm -hmm. So it seems like uh, that's, that's, Virginia Tech was not, fielding the world's best quarterbacks right so we'll kind of see um what the story is with virginia tech and 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 kind of take a look at his Tennessee film, see if it's improved. More than fair point, maybe a little bit of a red flag. Obviously, people are going to have to do a lot of digging on that background and what exactly happened there. But just a lot of good points. Again, I always just like to throw out that quarterback option just to see where the fans, where their heads are at. 17% of the votes went to Hooker. And a lot of the comments said, trade down, then you take him. And, you know, obviously you love that in a dream scenario. I just think if you like a quarterback enough to pick him at 30 or 40 or 50. Oh, yeah, he was benched. He was outright That's why he transferred. That's not a great thing for to be the first thing I learn wow. about a guy. For who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Braxton Burmeister. What a oh, name, though. Braxton Burmeister. Okay. <laughs> the Burmeister just to kind of wrap up we'll trade down then you take him if you like a quarterback at 30 or 40 then you should like him enough to take him at 23 just because the position value is too great and what hitting on a quarterback can do in the draft for your team and again Tom McShay's latest mock draft yesterday he's got four quarterbacks going in the top nine Anthony Richardson going to Carolina and Hooker is clearly just the next guy in line before this massive drop-off so he may not even make it to 23 knowing you got to get through teams like Washington Tampa Tennessee the Jets maybe Detroit or Seattle could want a young guy to groom who knows I'm just saying if you're in the camp that says well I'll feel a lot better about him if we trade down first and then take him well yeah me too but I don't think you really have that luxury to be honest you'd really be gambling at that point so if you like him 
I think you just got to punch it. But I digress, guys. Hey, that was a good, healthy discussion. I'm proud of us. We didn't go off the rails. We didn't have to cut the commercial or anything. Nobody got violent. We're all still friends here. Because yeah, every time, it's such a sensitive topic. Anytime you bring up replacing Kirk, and I get it. But leading to the draft, like we got to have some of these conversations and just throw everything out on the table. Otherwise, we're just not doing our due diligence. And then three, four years from now, it's, well, why didn't we draft Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson when we had the chance? But maybe that's a conversation I mean, at least, for at another least day. No one got hit with um, because remember when Josh Hermsmeyer uh, mm. was tweeting like, "Hey, they should draft a quarterback." The yes. Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. and then there's a quote tweet from somebody who had a letter about <laughs> election fraud regarding his wife. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing? Okay, fair Man, point. Let me write that I, down. Fair point. I yeah. I hope to be as vicious to Luke Braun as mm. some random account is to Joe. <laughs> that was wild, man. That was wild. By the way, did uh, you see the tweet? Classic uh, tone setters. Yeah, yeah, of course. Classic of course. Did you guys see the tweet the other day? Vikings have only drafted four quarterbacks in the first or second round since 1980. That's one quarterback in rounds one or two every what ten and a half years, which sounds wild, and it kind of sneaky is. way to. But it's actually yeah, it's not that far off from the league average to be fair so oh is it oh okay yeah i think most teams are around like 5.2 5.5 something like that when you average them all out which is pretty interesting they're due is what i'm hearing yeah Yeah, they're 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 long due yeah Yeah, they're overdue all right remember every day posting a new poll posting a new poll over on that lockdown minnesota youtube community channel go check it out hit that subscribe button so you never miss a beat we're almost to five thousand subscribers so please go smash that subscribe button and help us get to our latest milestone all right brian flores presser just reaffirming probably what we already knew he's gonna show you that zero blitz look a lot doesn't mean he's always gonna bring it but just kind of like that zimmer defense it was all about putting pressure on the offensive line and quarterback communication pre-snap and post-snap. And then the other big thing was player versatility, having guys, especially in the front seven, be able to do multiple things for them. One week it's a 4-3, the next it's a 3-4. Am I right on that? Were those two the biggest things that stuck out to you guys the most? Or what else really jumped out to you from the Flores' first press conference? And what are you just most excited about when it comes to the things he's hopefully going to do to help fix this Vikings defense? So, Reef, let's start with you. I thought it was really cool when Will Raggett's got shut down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to take a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Like, sh- show, me, show me the goods. Yeah. Pop the hood, well, man. What do you got yeah, in the so, truck? So, 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 Reggett's asked uh, pro- probably one of the best questions to the presser where he was like, hey, you, you, you do a lot of zero blitzing. You're really aggressive. You send a lot of players. How do you balance that? Uh, versus, uh, you know, how do you balance that kind of aggressiveness while, while still, you know, maintaining your protection on the back end or, or something along those lines? It was a good question. And, uh, and and Brian Flores was like, "Wait, you want the secrets right away, man?" Right. <laughs> and then, and, and <laughs> it's my thought was like, "He wouldn't even tell me." <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, "It took like three, four hours in the interview before he would say a word about that." <laughs> uh, but uh, I I I thought that you know every every offensive defensive coordinator is going to tell you about how flexible they are, how you always have to design your scheme around, you know, the players that you have, but it very much seemed like coming off of the press, or not only does he have kind of the history of being able to do that, you know, being one of the few people who is able to effectively use Eric Rowe, for example, um, just, you know, Oh, this guy can only erase tight ends. Well, that's his job now. Uh, you love <laughs> you to can't see play it. safety. You can't play corner. You can only erase tight ends. Got it. Um, but yeah, I, 
he he not only has like lived it, but it very much seems like he was very cognizant of that approach when he was answering multiple types of questions, whether it was, you know, this question about blitzing a lot, whether it was a question about, um, you know, being in a three, four or four, three or whatever. It was very much about uh, making sure to kind of take advantage of, of the strengths that you have on a roster versus kind of having a, a solution in mind when you're looking at a problem. Rather, instead of seeing a problem and thinking of answers, seeing a problem and looking at the tools you have to solve the problem, right? It seems to be kind of the approach that he's had in the way that he was answering these questions, which I think is invigorating because, you know, you're coming from a defensive scheme that was very inflexible um, and it was like you, it, it, it required intervention from above to be even close to flexible. And it, that flexible is the wrong word for how it changed, right? So For one flex. Yeah, yeah, right. You get an act un change. And then and then that change was inappropriate for the playoffs, right? Like it just it yeah. was not a good time. Um, but yeah, uh it, it very much seemed like the whole approach that he was taking was very much, you know, hey man, I come from New England, you know, one week you're starting your all pro at edge rusher because he's an all pro at edge rusher and it works in the game plan. The next week he gets 10 snaps because he's just up against the tackle that's gonna clown him. And so we're starting the guy that's going to work there, right? It, it's, you know, that's you just how it. we play football. And they very much came across in the presser. Yeah, to kind of build on that, the way that the Patriots used personnel, um, they, mm-hmm. with, in Flores' years, and I think in Miami too with Flores, really good at only ever asking guys to do what they're good at, um, which is very clear in the philosophy, but it's also clear in the way that they set things up. And the fact that they do have a lot of tools to set things up a different way. Um, where if you look at like the 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 old Donatel scheme, if you didn't want Daniel Hunter covering, well, too bad. That's what outside linebackers do in this scheme. In this one, there's a lot of different places you can put a guy like Daniel Hunter that will only ask him to do what he is good at doing. And they're willing to sacrifice like variability and disguise to do that, mm-hmm. which is an interesting trade off. And, you know, of course you go too far with it. It's no longer worth it or whatever. Um, but I think if you're, if you, if your opinion of last year's defense was, wow, they never had the right guys in the right place, like with Harrison Smith blitzing or whatever, uh, you should be excited. Yeah. And, and just final one final note yeah. to add on to that. Yeah. Um, you, like, so you're mentioning asking guys to do the things that they're only good at. I think fans, ask that of defensive and offensive coordinators a lot, but the difficulty there is not that a lot of these DCs or OCs don't want to do that. It's that they don't know how to do that in a way that allows you to have right. a cohesive scheme. If you've got eight players, they don't that have like, that club in the bag. And right. Flores has right. a lot of different right. clubs in the bag. Yeah, exactly. Like if you've got eight guys that are good at blitzing and you're only sending four or whatever, maybe that's the right move. But now you've got four guys that are doing something that they're not as good at. Um, But the defense is better because you're asking guys to do stuff that they're not good at. So it's really, really difficult to get 11 guys to do the things that they're best at and have a cohesive scheme that allows you to protect the back end, put pressure on the quarterback, cover the middle, do things like that. He is just remarkable at that. And he's like really dedicated. You know, there was this uh, little uh, bit about, um, 
how like his wife is a teacher yes. and and he learned oh, yeah. uh, you know about individual educational programs yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and and applying that understanding and he's talking to his wife about like how you you reach people and how you teach people and how you communicate concepts to them very kind of mike tomlin-esque even though he only spent a year there right uh how you approach a player and uh provide them with the ways that they can learn I thought that that was really cool. And it kind of fits into this entire bag that we're talking about, about individualizing approaches, maximizing individual players, making sure that, you know, from week to week that you understand the problem you're trying to solve and using the tools that you have to solve those problems. Yeah. Music to people's ears. I'm sure you're getting the fans all jacked up. So let's take what we know, what you guys just went over and kind of project that onto the roster now, because I think ever since he was brought in, get caught blitzing a whole bunch of times and you get absolutely worked. Like, yeah, yeah. don't worry about that. though. That that can absolutely, Happen here. That's fine. That's fine. So when I look if you're going to die, you're going to die swinging. And I'm, and I'm, that's what we want. Don't we, after what we went through last year, right. instead of the thousand paper cuts to death, like let's just, I'm, I'm, it, I'm just remembering the time that Miami was accused of tanking for zero blitzing when it turns out they were tanking, but not because they were zero blitzing. Yeah. They were zero blitzing. You could argue in, like a refutation of yeah. that order, like, <laughs> yeah, right. like in an yeah. act of rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just but, uh, accusation weirdly close to probably correct. I want to be careful here because Miami was never found guilty of tanking. They were found mm-hmm. guilty of tampering ongoing. Legal um, matter. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, had they been tanking, the zero blitz would not be evidence of that. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's the dream scenario. You're either worst or first. Playoff run or you're picking in the top 10. You're going to get a stud draft pick. Let's try to project this to the roster itself, just given where it's at today. Obviously, free agency and the draft are going to change a lot of things. One guy a lot of people are most excited about, just imagining this new defensive scheme, is Harrison Smith, a.k.a. Harrison Blitz. Always been that blue-collar guy, drop back center field, bring near the box, let him run around, go make plays. And maybe the deep coverage speed and ability isn't where it was at this point, but thinking about him almost as a linebacker around the line of scrimmage, I think gets a lot of fans excited. And I'm not sure how that's going to work too with Lewis seen because he too is more your traditional in the box safety. Someone's got to play that single high every now and then maybe that's Cam Bynum or someone else. I'm not sure, but who's a player or two that you think Flores will really come in and just get the most out of in this new defense. When you think about how the roster is set today, like, Maybe one clear-cut starter, a big name, and then maybe one more just like a rotational guy or backup that you think maybe could really flourish or stand out or could have a mini breakout type of season we haven't seen yet. Similar to what you mentioned with Eric Rowe. Hey, this guy is really good at this one thing, and Flores is going to come in and and try to maximize that skill set. Uh, let's put a pin in Harrison Smith because that one seems a little obvious. Sure. You already mentioned it. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll pin that. And um, I'll say Eric Kendricks, just because mm-hmm. I think that he knows how somebody like Eric Kendricks needs to play in order to be effective. And I think kind of unleashing him and returning him to kind of like, hey, man, you know how to read. Uh, you know how to, I don't mean like read books. You know how to read offenses. Uh, you know how to, uh, you know Kendricks, how to like. Confirmed literate. <laughs> Reading rainbow. <laughs> But you know, you know, you know how to you know how to understand offenses. You know exactly where you need to be. So we're just going to let you do that and design the rest of the defense to accommodate you know your ability to kind of get where you need to go. So I think that he is going to kind of unleash Eric Kendricks in a way that, that he was kind of shackled with at Donatel. Um, so that's the starter. And I, if I'm going to pick a backup, I mean, Luke already mentioned Kyrus Tonga. I think that he's very good at the few things that he can do really, really well, and you can put him in roles to shut down run games. And I remember 
the way the Patriots shut down the Rams, right? Uh, they put, was it Danny Shelton, I want to say, who I don't even think is in the league anymore. Danny Shelton's good at like the one thing. And they were like, hey, man, they want to do outside zone a lot. They just lost Todd Gurley. So they've got CJ Anderson. They're only going to do inside zone. And we know Mm -hmm. how to stop inside zone with Danny Shelton. And now you can't run play action off of it. Unbelievable. squad. Yeah, there you go. And and Danny Shelton was just basically he got basically no snaps ever since the Patriots picked him up. I think midseason that year. That's um, wild. And, That's and wild. We picked him up for this one game, and we're gonna win it. And it works. I mean, more times than not, it works. Because you're right. Like not everybody's gonna be this Swiss Army knife that plays at a high level at everything you need. Sometimes you need those specific, unique role players with those specific, unique skill sets, and just maximize what they're good at. How about you, Luke? I know uh, we've already kind of ripped through a handful of guys, but maybe a guy or two you think's just gonna thrive and excel the most in this Flores defense, knowing what he kind of looks for in his defensive players. The guy that comes to my mind is Asamoah. Um, mm. That was like the first thought that I had when they hired yeah. Brian Flores because with the way that a lot of those pressures work, um, you you need somebody who can kind of explode downhill. And that is, boy, is that his favorite? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That's the can thing. Do that. That's yeah. the thing, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the, the youngsters, I mean, yeah, Harrison Smith is, I think, the, the easiest one. I'm... Very curious to see what happens with with Zadarius Smith this offseason, too, Um, because the five down fronts, the three, four fronts that this defense likes to use does like to have everybody at every position. Um, And, you know, you don't always have your biggest guy at zero tech. Sometimes that guy is Zadarius Smith. Sometimes that guy's a safety. Um, And in the way that that stresses protections, there's all kinds of reasons to do that, but it does make it extra important that guys can kind of line up at every position. And that is sort of the draw of Zadarius Smith that said, um, he's always for the last several, I don't remember what, uh, they did with him in Baltimore, but at least in Minnesota and green Bay, it was three, four, um, like outside linebacker, two point stance, fire zone. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit different. So I'm very curious to see what they see with him. Um, and then, of course, there's a contract situation too. I think it's a slam dunk to keep him, but who knows where their head's at. So I wanted to ask you guys because. I know both of you kind of understand exactly what this scheme entails and the responsibilities each position group is going to be asked a little bit more than I do. And I want to kind of tie this back into the draft as we start to really get into our scouting and film sessions over the next 10 weeks, exactly what Flores is going to be looking for. Let's just real quick go through each level of the defense and help fans understand what they should be looking for when you know they start reading draft player profiles and mock drafts, et cetera, et cetera. Which skill sets or maybe attributes Flores could be targeting in a player come draft weekend. Let's just start in the back end in the secondary and work our way down. Everyone knows he's going to show these cover zero looks. And when he sends the house, he needs guys who can not just hold up in man coverage, but like needs guys who can excel there. Like that's their bread and butter. Is it that simple or am I like oversimplifying it? Is it as easy as saying, okay, you want a first round cornerback, then go through those top six, seven guys and find the best three who are best in man coverage. Is that what you want in this Flores defense when you look at these cornerbacks? I'd even narrow it down further and say off man coverage. If, okay. if you can't press, but you can play off, we can work with that because mm-hmm. that's how a lot of the cover zero stuff works. Obviously, you'd love it if they could press too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a lot of the cover one looks, you know, you if you can press, you can jam. It's obviously going to be better. But if you can hold up in off man coverage, if you can run with a go route, 
um, then then I would say we can work with that. I actually just did a whole episode of Locked On Vikings on what Brian Flores needs out of like cornerbacks in particular. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's can you cover deep in man coverage? And I kind of don't care how you do it. I don't care what your game is, but as long as as long as it works, love and, it. Got to go know. check that episode out. Yeah, Arif, anything to add? Just what Flores could be, you know, come draft time. What he's going to be looking yeah. for for corners or, or even safeties. Um, I'll add that um, I I know this sounds like very fundamental and duh, but like you need to tackle well. And the reason I'm saying that is because uh, when you send a lot of blitzes, you're going to get a bunch of short passes to beat the blitz and a bunch of after catch stuff. And I think that that tackling becomes a little bit more priority for a coverage player if they're going to attempt to take easy stuff when you. Um, when when you send extra extra blisters, if your linebackers can't be there to tackle for you, your cornerbacks are going to be de- because I think it is overrated how often we talk about cornerbacks being able to tackle. If Sauce Gardner couldn't tackle, and he's okay at it, he's not like amazing. But if Sauce Gardner couldn't tackle, I wouldn't care. He's still like the top corner in the league, right? Um, but if you're going to send all these blitzes, your secondary needs to be able to take down uh, ball carriers after the catch because they're going to make. Uh, a ton of yards off of that after catch mm-hmm. stuff if you don't have that ability. So primarily, you know, your ability to to track corners and man coverage, your ability to, uh, you know, hold up deep, that's first and foremost. But I think after that, you you want to take a look at that tackling ability and see if they've got, you know, which is why a Joey Porter is, is so enticing, right? You want to take a look at that tackling ability and see if, you know, the after catch stuff is going to burn you. See, that screams Alabama safety Brian Branch to me. Only missed four oh, tackles very his versatile. entire career. Yeah, unbelievable. And it's like, well, maybe if you would have taken Jordan Davis last year and not Lewis Seen, then you could take Brian Branch this year. But anyways, all right, how about the front seven? Kind of tricky, right? Like Because he needs guys who can stand up. He needs guys who can put their hand in the dirt. He needs guys who can blitz and tackle. Versatility is the key. So can we almost separate these front seven into two groups? First group is these kind of Swiss Army knife linebackers slash stand-up edge rushers. And in the second group, the guys in the middle of the defensive line who are just always going to have their hand in the dirt. That's kind of how I'm viewing this front seven. And then again, maybe just a few traits you're looking for at these positions come draft time outside of just being able to do a little bit of everything. I mean, there have been uh, iterations of the New England defense that have had guys that can both stand up and have their hand in the dirt, have guys that can play five-tech and play on the outside. Um, and, uh, I mean, more often we're seeing kind of the Donta Hightower types that are like second level guys that can blend to the Kyle Van Noy types that, you know, have the ability to cover or have the ability to rush. But I mean, um, there have just been kind of throughout like a Richard Seymour, right? Like going way back, right? There have been guys like, uh, who have been able to, to play tight, have been able to play wide and have been able to play back, um, that have just been part of that defense. And I think the important thing is they want to construct a, a front seven full of players that have the capability to uh, meet every gap or, or make sure that every gap is accounted for in some way, whether that is kind of the hybrid fronts that New England did a while back where half of them are two gapping, half of them are one gapping, or uh, if it's um, or, or if it's just making sure that you've got guys that have the ability to fill and read and have a good safety that can uh, you know, play force, right? Um, all of those um, are going to be dependent on who else is available to you. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think that having versatility, even among those those front guys, is fine. I, I think that if you get like a Clash of Cancy and get somebody that you feel like you know maybe this guy can stand up on the edge like Chris Jones on occasion, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, you can you can you can do some stuff with that. So um, I don't know that you necessarily need to separate it that way, but I do think that thinking about the linebacker and edge group as more of a melange, kind of the way that we saw that in New England, um, does make a little bit of sense, and that opens you up to the possibilities of. I'm trying to remember um, last year or two years ago the the Lions guy Derek Barnes from Purdue. Mm -hmm. want to say um was kind of a both right that that you know maybe he's an edge rusher maybe he's an off ball guy maybe you could do both with him um those guys are probably i think that your instinct is right but i, I don't want to completely separate off you know the capability to to have guys that are in the dirt standing up no a lot of good points luke anything else to add just traits you're looking for in this hybrid front seven one of the things i'm looking for when um these Belichick defenses do their pressures. A lot of their quote unquote blitzes are, are five man pass rushes that aren't really deceptive blitz pressure. It's just five guys line up and they rush. Um, but a lot of it uses twists and, and loops and stuff. And part of the gimmick, I guess, is that everyone can loop mm -hmm. and that requires a certain amount of explosiveness, which I think is going to be very synergistic with what Quasi, if we, if last draft was any indication, mm -hmm. a lot of 10 split, a lot of, you know, the, like of explosion, the, the jumps, short shuttle, all that stuff. Explosion is going to be really important mm -hmm. along that line for everybody. And also just like, can you get across three gaps fast enough to get to the quarterback? Um, which going back to another interesting thing about Zedarius Smith, he wasn't that good at that. There was a lot of times that he, he would loop, he would get past the guy, you know, instantly the actual pass rush beat alignment. Part of it was instant, but because it, he was just a little too slow getting across two gaps, the ball was out. So I think that's, that's going to be an important, you know, Smith might still be worth it, but when you're right. looking at prospects, look for explosiveness. There's a reason Smith was drafted in the fourth round. His athleticism right. was, yeah. From both of you, though, that breakdown that is so beneficial for people listening as they start to look at some of these draft player profiles and mock drafts, et cetera, et cetera, as we inch closer to the draft. And it is going to be so interesting, too, just to watch this defense flip, not only like week to week game plan, but sometimes even just drive to drive from three, four, four, three sub packages, you know, from a player personnel standpoint. OK, who's sliding from the five tech to the three tech on this down? Who's got his hand in the dirt in the base four, three now maybe is standing up in the three, four off the edge outside of the obvious you know Dalvin Tomlinson's always going to be in the mix of Darius and Hunter always going to be on the field etc last one real quick on Flores obviously dream scenario he turns the defense around they go from worst to first Vikings win a Super Bowl yay but let's just say he does have some instant success which is what you want right but then he gets poached next year becomes a head coach somewhere else do you still want or prefer him to bring his own assistance knowing that you may have to completely start over again in 2024 and have to start all over top to bottom. Like which way do you kind of lean on that when it comes to him bringing in his own assistance, knowing Flores, his state could be short lived. You definitely want him to bring in his own staff. Right. Um, if only because like, if you aren't comfortable teaching a scheme, your players won't be comfortable executing that scheme. And I think we saw that in this secondary last year where we had Durante Jones, whose experiences are primarily in man match coverages, um, teaching zone matching guys weren't taught very well. Um, you know, they busted coverages a lot and stuff. So you, if, if only like, I don't think you can have success asking a coach to teach a scheme that he's also learning at the same time. Um, but also in the event that you have Brian Flores, you know, play well enough to get, or if that defense plays well enough to get Brian Flores a head coaching job, um, then we've found a formula that works for this personnel and we're probably going to want to stay in it. 
And then your successor at defensive coordinator ideally is coming from that staff so that you can keep as much continuity together as possible. Mm -hmm. So yes, definitely want him to bring in his own staff. And then if it is a disaster or whatever, well then I guess we're right back to where we were in the first place. And we're right back to probably where we would have been if we kept all the other guys. But I don't want to ask like Mike Smith to suddenly be an off ball linebackers coach. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I just like get talent in the door worry about the rest later yeah or burn that bridge when it comes um plus i mean so he brings in his own staff he becomes a head coach he brings uh, a good chunk of that staff over to when he's a head coach fine great good um i i don't like you're going to identify you know the guy that you think is most likely to be able to lead a defense from that staff and make him a defensive coordinator in that scenario. And maybe he takes the defensive coordinator position under Brian Flores because, you know, he he's more excited to start something new, whatever team that Brian Flores is going to be with. Maybe it's the Raiders, right? Or um, you, you're, you've you got the ability to entice him to be a defensive coordinator in Minnesota. I don't know. You, you might lose out on that opportunity for sure. Right. Bringing in talent is good, right? I, I Worrying about, you know, is he too talented? Or are we only going <laughs> to... I would rather, yeah. you know, have somebody <laughs> oh, what who's if like he's good? third oh, no. best... And what because if the Vikings third win best, games? It's, the Vikings fan nightmare. it's like, just, just bring in talent. No, you, you guys are totally right. And, and like, if you're going to bring them in, you got to let them run the show. You can't put restrictions on. Yeah. You can't babysit him. You want yeah. it to work the way you think it can. Then you got to let him do his own thing. Run the show. The yeah, way you're doing him a disservice, right? If he wants right. to be a head coach and he certainly does. Right. Like, why would you do that to him? That's exactly. just mean. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. If he does end up leaving. The Dolphins year, have done enough. Yeah, right, right. Smith's that. been through enough, okay? And if he does end up leaving, obviously, again, that means your defense did very well, and that's a great thing. And maybe you can't keep Flores, but maybe you can talk one of those assistants, like you said, Luke, below him, into staying, teaching those same philosophies and just that core foundation of the scheme that works so well to the next group of guys and let him hire some guys underneath him and just keep growing that, you know, next branch of the Belichick-Flores coaching tree. Who knows? All right, coming up, we're diving into free agency and potential Vikings targets this offseason. But first, the NFL season is over, but the NBA season is kicking into high gear with the playoffs right around the corner. Download and sign up for FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back. Download the super easy-to-use app and bet on money lines, point spreads, and parlays. You name it, they got it. Tons of great options over there at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked on for your bonus first bet up to $1,000. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, boys, free agency is near. Vikings don't have a lot of money to play with. Although, however, I mean, Luke, you pointed out in a beautifully articulated article over at zonecoverage.com. Shout out T. Schreier 3, a.k.a. Tommy Guns. There are plenty of ways to just maneuver and kind of manipulate that cap to where Vikings could still go sign one or two somewhat big names when, you know, the dust settles and this is all said and done. And when you think of all the positions, I always talk about cornerback. That always comes to the forefront of the discussion. And I think we can tie this even back into our previous conversation, too, about what we're looking for at the position when targeting these guys and making kind of our free agent wish list, if you will. Who's one bigger name guy, I guess, and maybe one more moderately priced guy, you could say, that you would love to see them go after for this Flores defense at the cornerback position? I feel like looking at the list of pending free agents at corner, I'm I, I'm like, there's not that many names that I'm like, nah. <laughs> 
Like it feels like I'm into like everybody. Right. I don't know. I I feel like it's it, we just need so many, and the the room is just so depleted. That's like I don't. Does he have a pulse? Bring him right. in. Right. Um. But that's if that's too yeah, lame I, for you. I Cameron Sutton's a really interesting name to me with with man slot versatility. He's been pretty good. He's 28. He's a little older, but he's um kind of had a weird trajectory, I guess. He's you know started as an undrafted guy and kind of worked his way up to a, a reasonable starting role and played well on a Steelers defense that had a lot of struggles. And he certainly wouldn't break the bank. And the Vikings need a starting nickel. They just don't have one under contract, like none of them. Yeah, let's say they do cut Shannon Sullivan. Is there one just pure best slot cornerback of the group or maybe just even two or three legitimate options there? Because, yeah, they're going to need Jones? more than one guy. Yeah, yeah so Jonathan, Jonathan Jones, Jones played outside last year, but has played primarily in the slot throughout his career. I think that he'd be a good one. Nick Needham from the Dolphins. You know, both of them have experience with Brian Flores. Uh, CJ Gardner Johnson um, is a safety that has a ton of slot experience, played a bunch of slot. Um, When the Eagles uh, saw Avante Maddox go down to injury, CJ Gardner Johnson would play the slot for him. Um, So there's a, there's a couple of slot options here that are really high level slot players um, that are kind of worth taking a look at. Um, Jamel Dean is probably the top corner on the market, right? He has a significant slot experience as well. In fact, they only very recently made him an outside corner and he excelled there. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of slot guys uh, in the market that have, I think, a, a wide variety of skill sets that Matrick Flores does, or just have direct experience with uh, with with Flores. Um, but like the that entire like Jimmy Ward is a slot safety, right? That you can you can take a look at that mm-hmm. he's in free agency. That kind of uh, worth taking a look at. But I mean, this is a like it is a bad class for a lot of things. It's not uh, for free agent class, uh, but it's not a bad one for cornerbacks or safeties. That group is pretty good. Maybe the top end isn't like an elite whatever, but you've got a yeah. really great second and third tier set of guys. Unlike at like say receiver, right, where it's just mm-hmm. it's just a difficult free agency class. Um, this is a pretty good free agency class to find a, a, a versatile slot corner or a safety type guy. Yeah, between and, free agency and the draft, there is no reason the Vikings can't replenish all their needs here this offseason at that position. Go ahead, Luke. Uh, I was just going to say, like, market-wise, because the the top end, you know, there isn't like a like a Byron Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like the the superstar guy that everybody wants. But somebody's going to get paid like that anyways, because that's just the way that like markets work. So this is definitely uh, a great time to go for that like second wave of free agency and not be the first got the first team to sign a corner and give that guy, you know, twenty one million dollars a year. But yeah, that second right wave that. might include like a Marcus Peters. I was just right? going to yeah. say, like, is that's still good, good as advertised, or are you staying away from a guy like that? No, like, that, that, like I love Friday, Saturday wave of free agents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after it's yeah. been five days and Vikings fans are flipping out, like that's that's when the really good value will be. Yeah. So for people listening at home, if they're just going to remember one or two names, cornerback market, stay away from a guy like Marcus Peters, try to get a little bit more value. Jonathan Jones, Cameron Sutton, CJ Gardner Johnson, you mentioned as well. Justin Coleman, my guy. He's out here. Good guy. He's out here. Yeah. Love that guy. Right. Love him back wrong. in like 1999 <laughs> training camp, Vikings training camp. Still kicking it. That's a fun little exercise, though. The plan is we'll be going through position by position every week on the football party, just trying to dive into realistic options for the Vikings when it comes to targeting via free agency, which will be right around the corner, really, before you know it. All right, guys, time has come. 
It's time for the draft. Pull up your charts. Here's the deal. I wanted to showcase just the insane amount of young talent that's thriving in the league right now. So I put together a 25 and under draft for us. And I've got all the best players under 25, including this year's draft class. If you want to get a little wild, if you want to get a little nuts, we're going to go through pick by pick, draft one quarterback, one offensive lineman, two skill positions, two front seven guys, could be D-line or linebacker, two DBs and one flex. And since there's three of us, this should go quick. We'll rip through this, and then later I'll post the results to Twitter. People listening at home, they can jump on Twitter and vote who they think had the best draft. I can't go first because it's my draft. How about paper, rock, scissors? Let's go. Uh, okay, on three or after three? One, two, three, shoot. After okay. three. Two out of th- best two out of three. Ready? All right. One, one two, two, three, shoot. shoot. Okay. <laughs> that turned out exactly the way I knew it would. Okay. That was, that was awful. All right. All right. How about, I get, it's like my mic's in the way. All right. All right. <laughs> there we go. Got it. One, two, three, shoot. Okay. okay. You got rock eating scissors, a reef on the board with one. This is a catastrophe. <laughs> Okay, now you got the timing down. Now you got the timing down. Okay. No, we do not. (laughs) Can we just like flip a coin instead? All right, Arif wins it. Arif wins it. Okay. Arif's got it. Nobody wants to go through any more of that. All right, Arif, you got the number one overall pick in the 25 and under draft. Again, quarterback, all line, two skill, two front seven, two DBs, and a flex. A lot of different avenues you could go here. I don't know what's going on in your war room right now. I mean, what's your game plan? What's your mindset? You guys freaking out in there? Or yeah, what's yeah. going on? Uh, no, we we love the first overall position. Um, there's a ton of talent across the board. Everyone knows that, you know, you got to build a team with a quarterback, but honestly, the quarterback talent is so rich here um, that we're going to go to the position that has truly distinguished itself with the top end talent. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. Of course yep. you had to. Uh, it's just like the Prince number one it's overall. Like in the, this Super is going to be draft. why this one wins. Nothing that happens for the rest right. of the Right, right. <laughs> number one overall, arguably, legitimately, not even a homer pick there. Like, arguably yeah, the, the top player best in player here. in the yeah. NFL right now, under 25, and he's on your Minnesota Vikings. All right, Luke, number two, who you got? Um, I will stick with the LSU Tigers. Uh, for the same reason, there's enough quarterback talent where i'm plenty happy but i'm gonna grab jamar chase jamar chase it is bang bang one and two there they go i got a snake here i got bang bang back to back i'm gonna go Ooh, micah good. parsons that's a good one i my first pick i was hoping to sneak him in there on the uh on my that's right ah, right, right. And, right and honestly guys this is gonna be the biggest wild card of this draft i can already tell who's gonna be the first one to take a quarterback you guys waited mm-hmm. i'm gonna wait too i'm gonna go sauce gardner get my db on the board defensive Oof. rookie of the year micah and sauce i'm building my defense you, you guys are going offense back this. to luke all right i'll be the first one to take a quarterback off the board uh i'll grab it is tough it is tough, isn't it? You know, just the hype is is high enough right now. He proved a lot to me in the Super Bowl. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. Ooh. Ah. Great pick, great pick, great pick. Arif, you got back-to-back. I'm left with a legitimate issue here because there's a homer pick that I could pick, mm-hmm. totally justifiable. But do I believe that he's actually the best player at his position here under 25? That's tough for me. It's really tough for me to come up with that. I'm going to go actually with uh, a history of performance here instead of just last year's performance. <sighs> and over Christian Darius, I'm going to pick Tristan Wirfs. 
Oh, good pick. I had that too. Yeah. I really love him. I don't think you can go wrong there. I think he's the clear-cut best tackle under 25. I, I think that the front seven talent here is not outstanding mm-hmm. at the moment. So I'm going to take Quinn and Williams. Good pick. Yeah, after Micah Parsons, there was like such a big drop-off on the front seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'll do the homer thing. I'll take Darisaw. Guaranteed votes. I just don't want to get sniped with quarterback because I really want this guy. I, I probably could wait, but better get him now instead of waiting all the way. I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence, get my quarterback done, and then coming back, I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson. I got my front seven done. Back to Luke, Jalen Hurts, Christian Derisaw, guaranteed votes there. Good value pick at number eight. Jamar Chase, number two overall. A lot of good players left on the board. I'm I'm kind of surprised that Pat Sertan is still there. One of the best corners in the league, young or not. He would have went, if you didn't take him there, I'm sure Arif would have taken him coming back. Yeah, 100%. All right, Arif, back to back. Uh, I also, but like when I when I picked Williams, I was basically committing to losing Sertan. So I'm not like, I don't feel sniped, but I would have right. picked him. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with, uh, with my offensive focus. I'm going to take Kyle Pitts. Got no skill positions and I was targeting him. Good pick. So you got Jefferson and Pitts. Unbelievable. Oof. Yeah. Uh, and then um, instead of uh, there is some really good edge talent here, uh, and I don't want to disrespect them, but I do want to I do want to be the first to select a rookie. I'm taking Will Anderson. Well, I, got, I guess I have to get my piece of that 2020 wide receiver draft class. I will take CD Lamb. Coming back for me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Tariq Woolen. Just get my DBs yeah. done. I don't feel great about the value. There's just so many other good names out there, Javon Diggs and some others. And then you really open the door to this rookie class now. I'm going to go, if you took Anderson, I'm going to go just for my flex. I'm going to go Jalen Carter. I got Parsons, Hutch, and with my flex, Jalen Carter. Um, I don't have anybody in my front seven yet. And somehow Brian Burns has fallen this far. There you go. <clears throat> now I'm in uh, an interesting spot. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little homer here. I'm going to, and it's gonna be kind of a sideways homer pick, right? Winfield, it's not exactly a homer pick. Yeah, <laughs> I knew Winfield. it. He was and looking homer. lonely on my I on my it. board. Yeah, and it. uh, and it's just it's I, I don't necessarily think he was the. 100% best pick there, but I think he's close enough, right? And Yeah, uh, for sure. He'll get you the most votes of, of any. You'll get some good votes it helps. from Winfield at 18. That's a good value. Uh, and I am going to round out that DB room. I'm going to round out that DB room with Talanoa Hufunga. Oh, boy. Is he maybe Very the good. most underrated guy on this list, even? Maybe. I, I kind of hope he's not, because the whole point is that... Right. <laughs> <laughs> These right. guys are rated well enough to get right. some votes, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like outside of, you know, Niner yeah. fans and NFC West, you know, people, he just doesn't get talked about a lot. He is uh, good pick there. So Winfield good, and Huffin. Okay. Back to Luke. I guess I, sh- I can go with the uh, 1-1 from last year. He, he It was a little quieter, but I think he still played really well. I think there's still a, a, a lot of talent there. Go with Trevon Walker. Surprised, honestly, that might be the SOD. I'm surprised he wasn't taken by now. 20 picks in, number one pick overall just one year ago. I got to go Penny Sewell. I got to get my offensive tackle. Werfs, Derisaw, Penny Sewell, your top three tackles. Uh, I need a skill position. It's insane. DK Metcalf is even on this. He feels like he's 28, moving on yeah. 29. <laughs> he was drafted when he was like 20 and a half. He's played four years in the league. I'm going to go Jalen Waddle. I really love him. Two picks left. You need a DB and a flex. Yep. 
I also am going to go, I'm going to try to pander to uh, Vikings fans who are angry about a draft pick uh, and take Kyle Hamilton. (laughs) On on draft night, I was saying, if he's there, Kyle Slamilton, they didn't do it. Oh, me too. I think a lot of people were with you. Still bummed out. Still a bad taste in my mouth about that. All right, Arif, quarterback and a flex. Uh, You may have uh, played this the best out of anyone. You waited on quarterback. You only missed out on two guys, Hertz and Trevor Lawrence. Still a lot of great options there, including the whole rookie class if you want them. I mean, there's two guys. I don't know. But uh, I'll pick my flex now. It's going to be Jonathan Taylor. Oh, Jonathan Taylor. First running back off the board. Love it. Clearly the best running back of the group. And your mystery relevant, your Brock Purdy. Justin Fields, Tua, Justin Herbert, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. Uh, what kind of scheme you're running over there, Arif? Uh, what are you building? Taking Hendon? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Justin Herbert. I like can't, Tua. Can't go wrong I think that he's Herbert. proved me wrong, but Justin Herbert is. For now, he might be the best quarterback that, uh, out of all three of these, right? Absolutely. I think voting wise, he's a little bit of a liability, but I think in terms of pure quality and talent, absolutely, he's he's the best out of these three. Totally agree. That's a great pick for your last pick. You know, you maximize great value everywhere else. Great pick. All right, Luke, any option you want, you could double down on quarterback if you want to. You mentioned Rashawn Slater still out there. You could go Slater. I thought about uh, taking Slater, but I think I'm going to go with one of the 2022 breakout stars over there. Uh, on the on the Motor City Kitties, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Oh, hey. you did that to me! Oh, oh did I snipe you? That was it. <laughs> that was that was, that was my, wait, no. I swear, I that swear to you. Oh, now now you're gonna have to rely on DK Metcalf or T Higgins. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, you got now, Kenneth now, Walker. No, you could go. You could go for like one of the rookies, and I could. Oh, I think hey, Jackson Reece Smith would get year. a lot of votes. I really do. Everybody loves the Ohio State rookies. Honestly, it's between DK or Higgins, and I'm just gonna go Higgins. You know, I'm picking a number two receiver, but I don't care. I'm going Gross. Higgins. A number two. Oh, uh, how could I? All right. <laughs> there you have it. I mean, dude, who do you guys think is the best player still available? Rashawn Slater? I mean, Rashawn outside Slater. of quarterbacks, they're in another tier. Of their own. You could argue Andrew Thomas is better than Rashawn Slater. That's the crazy thing. You could. Um, sure. he, he was yeah. outstanding this year. Yeah. But, I mean, Trayvon Diggs had a much better year this year than last year, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, last year he led the league in, in picks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody but, in know, this rookie class is going to make us look real dumb. Oh, oh for sure. of course. The whole for idea, sure. right? Um, but yeah, I think Trevon Diggs, Andrew Thomas, uh, Rashawn Slater, um, those are all Brees Hall, I think, you know, before he got injured, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's all these rookies. Rashawn Gary is also obviously great. A couple of Panthers that I had my eye on JC Horn, Jeremy Chin. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy to think about Seattle, man. Woolen and a bunch of studs. Kenneth Walker's on this list. He didn't get drafted. But even DK Metcalf, who didn't get drafted here, is still under 25. And then they got the fifth overall pick and another top 20 pick and some more. Yeah. They, they had one of the best rookie classes we've seen in a long time, and they've got the fifth overall pick. Like, like what are we both doing? Both tackles, it- two corners. Um, Kobe Bryant uh, and Tariq Woolen hit on yeah. both those guys. Boye Mafe. And here's the thing, guys. One of those big two studs, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, there's a great chance 
more yeah, than 50 50 one of them are going to yeah. fall in their lap and it's yeah. just going to be if john schneider kills another draft and he's got the ammo to do it watch out for seattle man obviously quarterback's the most important position they got to figure out if geno can bring them to the promised land if not then maybe they got to use that fifth overall pick on a quarterback but these drafts and just the young core and nucleus they have seattle that is unbelievable it's gonna be a lot of fun just a cool way to it's showcase so and display like how much young talent is out there in the NFL right now? And the guys hopefully will be watching for a long time for years to come. Obviously for the Vikings, great little young duo in JJ and Darisaw, but hopefully they can add some more talent in this year's draft as well. Go check out the Twitter feed later on. Get your vote in. Tell us who you think had the best draft. All right, guys, that's a wrap today. They'll remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join us every day for your one-hour breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Luke Braun, check him out every day on Lockdown Vikings on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. We're back with another episode of the Football Party on Monday for a reef. The two Lukes. Until next time, signing out.